Welcome to the Mama's Motivational Messages podcast, where women learn to stop putting themselves on the back burner and start paying attention to caring for themselves first so they can be better for everyone else in their lives. I know you'll be inspired by the stories of resiliency and starting over, of health and self-healing, of gaining clarity through journaling, of showing self-love through world travel, and the list goes on. I encourage you to relax and enjoy. I'm your host, Peggy Kirkland, PK. Hi, everyone. Is anyone else feeling confused about this weather as I'm feeling? The calendar says spring, but the temperatures here on the East Coast are saying something completely different. Feels more like winter to me. Is it really spring? Well, the daffodils in my yard and the birds chirping outside seem to think so. In any event, when we think about spring, we think about rebirth and renewal. It's that time of year when you start thinking about cleaning the windows, changing uh, your table decor, maybe, and decluttering your environment. You know, after being at home for the entire winter, and you know, we tend to accumulate a lot of things when we're indoors, this may be the time when you're thinking that it's time to minimize. Well, if that's the case, today's guest has some thought-provoking things to say about that. For her, decluttering is not a seasonal act, but a lifestyle. So to tell us more about this minimalist style of living, I'm excited to welcome to the show, Dana Lacradero. Dana is an award-winning writer whose work has appeared in many publications like The Huffington Post, Boston Mamas, and Mothers Always Write. She is also the author of The Uncluttered Mother, Free Up Your Space, Mind, and Heart. Welcome to the show, Dana. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Dana, I was so excited when I saw the focus of your your new book uh, because I have to be completely transparent with you. I have an issue with clutter. But before we get into dealing with clutter and ways in which we can start to minimize, I'd like to start by giving you an opportunity to allow our audience to have a deeper understanding about who you really are by telling them a little bit about your background, like where you grew up your educational background, your interests and hobbies, maybe, and what led you to write this book? Sure. I grew up in Massachusetts, and I got a teaching degree in early childhood education. I taught school for a few years after graduating, and I always loved reading, always loved writing. Um, It never occurred to me that I could be a writer. I didn't know any writers as I was growing up and or through school, but, um, and, and I did enjoy teaching, but once I began raising my own family, I sort of delved into the writing a little more seriously and began to, to get, um, essays published. I wrote about 
topics such as um, education, parenting, wellness, and eventually simplifying and decluttering. Because I found as I was raising my children that I really wanted to um, not feel as if their childhood was going by in a blur. I didn't want to be an overwhelmed mom. And I wanted to um, have a lot of joy in parenting, which I did. And I was sort of learning as I went and I wrote down my thoughts and ideas and into essays. Some of them were published. And then once my daughters were grown, several years went by and I began working on other things. I have a memoir that I'm working on, but I finally submitted my essays or my book, The Uncluttered Mother, which is really a series of essays based on that time period that I was um, figuring out the decluttering and simplifying and creativity and how to fit creative projects into motherhood and into life. And um, it was published this last September. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I find it interesting that you say when you started to raise a family, you started writing. I would think that it's harder as you're starting to raise a family to start doing something that is extra. Was it cathartic to do this writing while raising a family? I think it probably was cathartic in a way. And also it fit into my lifestyle at the time. I had given up full-time teaching uh-huh. and I had three children, three daughters close in age. So, you know, I had three under the age of five at one point and I wasn't doing full-time teaching anymore. I eventually went back into the classroom a bit and did some tutoring um, and eventually substitute teaching. But I, I just had for the most part, left that behind. So the urge to take on some creative projects kind of surfaced. And I, you know, remembered how much I loved writing. I loved it as a child. My favorite classes in college were the English classes and any writing classes that I took. And I loved children too. And it just sort of, you know, worked out. I put pen to paper and eventually got some pieces published. And of course that was encouraging. And, um, you know, as I said, my book, I didn't really set out to write it as a book, but it turned out that way. So it was kind of a happy accident in a way. Um, once I realized I had enough, enough on the topic of simplifying to have a book. And then, you know, I was fortunately fortunate to be picked up by a publisher that was a you know a bit of a long process that didn't happen really quickly or anything, but they became interested in my book actually in the middle of the pandemic or right right as the pan- pandemic was beginning, and you know for for a little while I thought oh gosh you know what is this topic going to be relevant anymore? I mean now we, we were in a pandemic and women were struggling more than ever with trying to keep so many balls in the air, you know, with work and raising children, some of them homeschooling and various things. But it turns out the topic it was still very relevant because it's always a good time 
to simplify in areas that you can. I think it, it you know, in, in small ways, in big ways, in all areas of life, wherever you can, can simplify in ways that are right for you. And I get into the, the different tools and ways um, is a gift that we sort of give to ourselves and to those around us. I'm sort of happy to hear that stepping away from teaching from the classroom for a little while was what actually opened the avenue to writing because I was sort of beating up on myself a little bit here as I listened to you because I too have been in education and I felt like I didn't have a moment to breathe, Mm -hmm. uh, to do anything creative while I was creating for the students in my life. (laughs) So I'm sort of happy that you shared that. I'm very curious about the statement that you made. You said you didn't want the childhood of your children to go by in a blur. Can you explore that a little more for us? Because I think many of us live and experience that situation. What do you mean by that? Sure. I think that life can be complex and then introducing children you know, it becomes more complex as we're raising them, as they're growing. And it's, it is easy, I think, for the family schedule to be, to quickly become overwhelming. Um, You have, you know, the parent schedule, be it work schedules or other, other commitments, and then add on schedules of children, sometimes multiple children. And I think it can easily get to a point where you're just getting ready for the next thing. And I think that having presence is so important for ourselves and for our children, that time where we're not thinking of what's next, we're not getting ready for what's next, but we're actually just in the moment, present with ourselves or our children or whoever we're with. And I really wanted more of that. Um, So that set me on the path to simplifying. I really thought about what are my priorities and which activities and commitments support those priorities and which can go. Um, And this can be done in so many ways and it really has to be tailored to the individual person who's doing it or the individual family. and And it's different for everyone. But I could sort of assess, you know, what was right for my family and what was worth hanging on to and what was too much. And also the temperaments of the children, I think, come into play. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to have some creative time and play time and quiet moments as well. I think that's important. And I, I think that really is what sparked my passion for simplifying just that desire to have a peaceful family life, um, children who aren't overwhelmed and to not be overwhelmed myself. Wow. I think you said quite a mouthful there, Mm -hmm. something to really reflect on and think about how we run our lives and how our children are a part of that. And to think about some of the things we miss out on because our lives are not simple enough 
as it were. And it makes me think that when I think about my own life, that some part of my brain seems to always be occupied with the issue of what pile of clutter will I deal with next? And it was interesting because as I read the introduction from the publisher, I saw something there that resonated with me. And it says, after the family's been fed, all the dishes have been cleaned, laundry folded and put away, emails have been written, and bills have been paid, the stress remains as the wheels inside keep grinding away in anticipation of the next episode of Clutter to Tackle. It's almost as though we're giving clutter uh, free real estate in our heads. I mean, is there a danger to that? I think there is. I think the danger is you sort of miss your life if it's taken up by all of that mental clutter. And, you know, we all have some of that and it's probably impossible to get rid of all of it, but there are tools, some pretty basic tools that you can use every day, whether it's just sitting quietly for 10 minutes or meditating or doing some yoga, journaling, things you can do to quiet the mind so that you can be more present. Um, But also I find that simplifying all areas, your physical clutter, your calendar, uh, whatever it is that you can simplify in a way that's right for you will help the mental clutter because then there's not so much on the outside pulling at your thoughts. And, you know, some of it, of course, is unavoidable and we wouldn't want to get rid of all of it. But if we can simplify in a way that feels right to us, I think it just invites that presence and gets rid of some of that mental clutter. Would you say that when we are cluttered internally, that it also detracts from our ability to even listen to our intuition? Yes, I think that's very true. Because I think it takes an amount of a certain amount of decluttering to to be clear, to be to have your mind more clear, to be more present so that the intuition can come through. And that's such a gift. You know, we all, all have that intuition. We all have that inner wisdom. And we really miss out when we don't hear it or we don't feel it because we're busy in the mind clutter or even dealing with the physical clutter. Or if we're just plain too busy to slow down and hear it, I think we can miss some important messages, but it's never too late to try to see what you can do to declutter, what you can do to slow down and um, sort of clear out around you inside and outside so that you can be in touch with that intuition. I think that's one of the most exciting parts of decluttering. And so as I think about our listening audience, and the fact that they are Gen X women um, who are spanning generally a range of, let's say, from being 40 to almost 60. Um, And 
definitely dealing with a variety of challenges. Someone who's listening to this show right now and thinking, well, how does this relate to me as I'm trying to make my way up the corporate ladder? How does this relate to me as a single woman with three children who has no help? How does this relate to me as a woman who is now an empty nester? What's the relevance of this to me? What would you say sure. to anyone who is, falls into that category? Right. Well, I think first and foremost, your feelings are very relevant. So if you feel overwhelmed or if you feel unclear what to do next, all of those feelings are relevant and you have to give yourself the time and space to actually feel them, let those feelings come through. And sometimes the answer is to ask for help. You know, sometimes you need some help. Sometimes the area of decluttering that you need might not look like somebody else's decluttering. Maybe it's a relationship that's very draining. Um, Maybe it's something in your job that needs changing. Maybe it's something in your daily routine, you know, something you need assistance with. I mean, there's so many stages of life and people going through and juggling so many things that I think sitting with, um, the the feelings of it all, where do your feelings of overwhelm come from? And then go from there, you know, because it isn't a one size fits all. There isn't a way to simplify that's right for everybody. Um, anyone can start in their physical surrounding. I think you can get a sort of boost of energy by starting with something small right around you, whether it's clearing off your desk or a closet and just upgrading your environment by making it a bit more simple and easier to manage, you know, that can give you a surprising boost of energy and, and a little bit of clarity. And sometimes that, you know, starts off, gives you some momentum Mm -hmm. to go to another area and another area, but all of it comes back to all this decluttering in the different ways that you can do it is so you can listen to yourself better and know what you need more and take care of yourself in ways that, you know, make your life better. And the more you do that, the more it becomes clear what else you might want to simplify. Now, are there things that can prevent us from actually getting to those feelings and listening and hearing ourselves. Like, let's say, for example, um, traumas that we've experienced in early childhood. Could that be a barrier to actually getting to the point where we experience those feelings that would help us to, you know, declutter emotionally, as it were? I think they can. I think anytime we have a a trauma or past hurts or pain that we have not dealt with, it can keep us sort of spinning our wheels. You know, it's, we might not even consciously realize that we're avoiding going back and healing what needs to be healed. So instead we keep very busy or we, you know, we sort of stuff our lives Mm -hmm. or stuff ourselves and that, 
keeps us from ever getting to the wound because it feels kind of scary and icky and we don't want to go there. But the good news is if we just have the courage to clear away what might not be good for us or what we can clear away and we get to that old wound because we're become willing to sit with ourselves at long last and it might come up, um, we will be okay. We'll be better than okay. You know, letting those feelings come up and out. Um, and maybe you need to journal and maybe some, someone might, you know, need some help getting through that healing, but avoiding us keeps avoiding. It keeps us stuck and letting ourselves go there, sitting with ourselves, decluttering enough so that we can sit alone with ourselves without all the distractions that life offers us and face what we need to face. And maybe it's some pain, maybe it's a hard conversation, whatever it is that we need to unravel. Um, I think, you know, the beauty is on the other side of that. That's really our divine selves are, are underneath there. So I think it really is a gift to ourselves. If we, if we go there. You, you speak about this in a way that makes me believe that you have some experience with decluttering from childhood trauma. Is that, is that the case? That's true. I did have a childhood trauma and after my parents were divorced, when I was four years old, I lost all contact with my mother and we, we reconnected somewhat in later years and in, in my early adulthood. But that I think for the most part, I had buried that trauma. I mean, out of necessity, a lot of times we do bury a trauma out of just survival or defense mechanism or out of necessity at the time. And I feel like society's message is to not go back to the past, you know, don't dig it up, leave it alone, mm -hmm. move on. But I think that only serves us if we have actually dealt with it first. Mm -hmm. And I was always very, I became very um, curious about it and wanting to deal with it because it felt like clutter to me. I, I knew it was there. I knew it was something I hadn't really truly dealt with or truly grieved. And so just like any other clutter, I wanted it to come to the surface and to get rid of it, you know, to heal it, to, to move through it. Um, and so that was part of my journey of decluttering to deal with that wound. And, you know, it wasn't done quickly or all at once or anything like that. It wasn't a simple thing for sure, but a very worthwhile and I think important part of my decluttering, that emotional decluttering. This sounds like you have to make a conscious decision to invest in yourself, which is something that we talk about on this show all the time. Um, the idea of this show is really to inspire and encourage women to take better care of themselves uh, and to do it unapologetically so that they can provide better support for their family members. And what you just talked about, 
really sounds like that's what you would have to do to really consciously invest in yourself. Did I get that right? Yes, I completely agree with you. I think it is an investment in yourself. And first, you have to believe that you're worth it. And if you have any beliefs that says you're not, or it's indulgent, or it's selfish, um, I think those are false beliefs. Those are beliefs you picked up somewhere along the way, maybe in childhood, maybe in early adulthood. But I believe those are false beliefs. And you're absolutely worth it. This is your life. Um, You are responsible to yourself. And you will give to others and to the world from a better place if you are taking good care of yourself, for sure. Now, I think one area that we don't think or talk about often is clutter in the car. And I noticed you made mention of that in your in your book. I have to tell you, though, I am not guilty of that. No clutter in my car. <laughs> but why do you why do you see this as something important to take note of and to do yes. something about? I do. You know, I had actually forgotten that I wrote about that in the book, but I do. I I think it is important to declutter the the car, at least for me. I think the vehicle that gets us from one place to another, some people spend a lot of time in it. Some people are in the car with their families or partners or other people as well. And it, it's just a part of, I think it's a way to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And those around you too, those are that you're with. I mean, you wouldn't probably wouldn't want your living room cluttered up or, you know, food on the floor. And I realize your car isn't your living room, but it's still a place and a space that you are occupying. And I know I feel better in it when it's clean. I feel clear no matter where I am, if it's space that I'm responsible for, if it's reasonably organized, my thoughts can come through better. It's amazing how the external affects the internal, but it really does. It, it, the clutter on the outside, I think, can um, just fog up your mind a bit. And, and maybe it's subtle for some people, um, but I, I think it's there. You know, I think it does make a difference. You know, why not honor yourself and take care of yourself by having the space where you get around, you know, where you go from place to place, have it be somewhere that you can look forward to getting into that you that it's at least pleasant and reasonably organized. You know, it's, I think, a little bit of a reflection of how you're running your day in your life. You know, if it's completely, if it's cluttered and dirty and, and all that, then your mind is probably a bit cluttered as well. I think one affects the other. So, and you can start either way. You can start on the outside or start on the inside, but either way, they affect each other, which is the beauty of decluttering. 
And I'm not so sure that our cars are not our living rooms, considering the amount of time we sometimes spend in them. For some people. Commuting back and forth. Um, (laughs) It could sometimes feel like, yes, (laughs) you're in your living room. So you're absolutely right about wanting to keep that space clear and, and free. One of the benefits that you mentioned to your own life, having a life that was not cluttered, was the fact that it allowed you the space and time to support your husband as he went through weekly chemotherapy treatments. The thing that really struck me, and I really felt it, I I could understand that. You said it was traumatic, not chaotic. Can you explore that with us a little bit? Right. It was traumatic and not chaotic. That's exactly right. We had simplified our life by that point in various areas. And so when we got his very unexpected diagnosis, although it felt traumatic to get it, we were able to rally and do what needed to be done and do it um, as peacefully as we could. And you know, when, when you get a diagnosis like that, it's sort of all hands on deck and all your mental energy needs to go to what do we do next? And, you know, how do we do this as, as gracefully as possible and for the best possible outcome. And so we had that slack in our lives. We had that, I guess, you know, some leftover energy, mentally and emotionally to do what needed to be done. And we were fortunate too, because our children were grown and we had good health insurance and his recovery went, his treatment went as smoothly as it could go. And he's healthy today. So um, we were very fortunate in other ways as well. But I just, um, I remember reflecting on that time a lot that, wow, it, it could have been so much more chaotic than it was. Well, I'm so happy to hear that your husband is doing well. I wish you both peace and, and many blessings in your life as, as you continue. Are there some strategies for dealing with clutter that you would like to leave with the audience, something that they can hang on to once they get to the end of of this show, um, and maybe something they can get started with immediately? I think for immediately, I would probably take a deep breath, consider what is the physical clutter around you that drains you the most? Is it your desktop? Is it your closet? You know, what is it that when you enter that space, it just takes energy from you and is sort of draining. And I would start there. Um, You could set a timer and, and start small. You could say today, I'm just going to work on this for 10 minutes. And then after 10 minutes, if you feel like you want to keep going, you keep going. And if not, you stop for the day. So it's fine to start small. And I think what happens is you build momentum. You realize there's a lightness to it. You feel a little better after you do it. And then you want to do more or you want to continue the next day. And 
you could continue like that bit by bit in your physical space. And then of course, you can always revisit your calendar. You can try to get, you know, practice saying no to things that don't, um, you know, fit your top priorities. And I'm a big proponent of meditation. I also do yoga. I think even 10 minutes of sitting quietly can change your whole day. And, you know, that's, that's pretty easy to do. I think almost everyone has 10 minutes, if not 20. And you can do that on your own, or you can look for, you know, a, a YouTube meditation guide, or you can, there's so many apps out there like Become or Headspace. So there are many tools to help you if you don't um, feel comfortable just doing that on your own. But I would say those are those are easy ways to just start small and see where it takes you. And I'm excited for you. I'm excited for anyone who starts on a path of decluttering because I think it can lead to things that you know you you may not have even imagined yet. Yes, freeing up that space. You know, it's interesting as you talked about where um, where someone might want to start, and you said desktop, it also brought to mind the idea that not just the top of your desk, but your desktop as in digital clutter, that too can really um, cause some some angst as you start or go through your day, right? Absolutely. And I am guilty of that myself. That is the area I struggle with the most, the digital clutter. Um, I find it hard to keep up with. I find it's the thing that I let go the most, you know, that I'll let slide and let get cluttered and have to keep, you know, sort of drag myself back to it and clear it out again, whether it's, you know, too many saved emails or just a messy desktop. And it's definitely an, an area I struggle with for sure. As do I, but we've got some other things that we can work with ladies. Start small, set a timer. I can tell you that the timer um, technique definitely works because that's how I get myself going. I'll usually set the timer for like an hour or an hour and a half um, because I know there's a finite amount of time because if I don't do that, I will walk around. I don't know if anyone else does this. I will walk around the clutter. I will pace back and forth, looking at it and trying to determine what to do next. So if I, I usually plan ahead too. I'll, I'll, I'll plan before I get out of bed, what area I'm going to tackle and how I'm going to tackle it. Uh, and then I get up and I can set my timer and, um, and get to work. What has happened to me is that, oh, and there has to be loud music in the background. That's just for me. Whatever works, whatever works for you. <laughs> right. But what I have found is that many times when that timer goes off, I'm so engrossed in what I'm doing that it doesn't feel so much of a, a chore that I don't want to do mm-hmm. that I may hit repeat and continue a, a bit longer. But I never get to the point where I allow myself to feel overwhelmed 
What do you think of my strategy? <laughs> I think it's wonderful. And it sounds like it works well for you. I think the planning what you're going to declutter and setting your intention and then adding in the timer sounds like a fabulous way. All right. So we've got some strategies here. Start small, set your timer, set an intention, say no, learn to say no, practice saying no, do some meditation and some yoga. So those are some of the strategies and techniques that you can start with right now as you get on your journey to decluttering. So as we come to the end of our interview, Dana, I'd like to ask you, what else is there for Dana? What's in the future? I'm continuing to edit my memoir, and that's a my next exciting project. And I'm uh, I blog at on my website, Minimal Mondays every week. I try to share some snippets of something that's going on for me, or ways that I'm decluttering, or or things that I think might be interesting to. Uh, to share with others who are on the journey of simplifying and um, lots of writing, lots of writing. And I'm always happy to speak with people about my book or decluttering. Well, I have to tell you that I was definitely drawn in by the first words of the first essay in your book. And I have to say that it was really easy to digest. It was easy on the mind. It didn't feel like clutter as I was reading your book. So thank you for your simple approach to decluttering. And those first words that I talked about says, I detest clutter. I agree. It feels bad to me, almost like suffocating. Whereas leaning into minimalism feels like freedom and clarity. So ladies, if you have a goal this spring in achieving freedom and clarity, one way is to start decluttering. So happy decluttering to you all. And Dana, where can people find your book? You can find The Uncluttered Mother. Pretty much everywhere books are sold, all the, all the big stores, Amazon, Barnes and Noble online, and you can read about it on my website. If you want to just hear a little bit more about the book, um, you can find me at danalacquadera.com, and I'm always happy to have visitors there. And that link will be in the show notes. Dana, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. I feel motivated to get started on some other pile of clutter. So thank you so much. I do have a goal that by the time the weather is really awesome outside, inside will be just as awesome. Thank you, Dana. That's great. Thank you. If you've been inspired and encouraged by the positive messages in today's show, please take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcast. This will help to keep the show alive. And remember, sharing is caring. So don't forget to share these gems with friends and family, strangers too if you like. Let them know it's available wherever they listen to their podcasts. I'm counting on you to share the love. 
Until next time, this is PK, sending you much light and a whole lot of love.